Praise the Lord. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. sermon disappeared. <laughs> kids are going to children's church, yes. All those kids in grades K through 5. Pastor Kirsten is headed that way. I found it, too bad. I could have preached it from memory anyway, but maybe. Who knows what I would have said. We're in Ephesians, Hebrews, and Luke today. I just want to touch on a couple of things. Number one, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. This is such a celebration of what God has done, and it is going to be a powerful day. And we want you to make sure to bring your family and friends. We have breakfast at 8.30 to 9.30. And then at 10 o'clock, we have our service, and we would just love to have you part of that. If you're signed up to cook, we need you here at 7 o'clock um, to help cook, and then we'll, breakfast will be ready at 8.30, and we just are so excited about what God does on Easter Sunday. This is a chance for you to bring unsaved loved ones and family, um, and just come and, and let's fill this place out with the voices lifting up praises to God for what He's done. We talk about the cross and we talk about the, uh, the, all that Jesus did and all the pain that he goes through. But if next Sunday doesn't happen, it's all for naught. The victory takes place next week. The victory takes place next week. When he comes out of the grave. And that's what we're going to celebrate next week. God has such a deep heritage here at Calvary. And it's so fun to see what God is doing and growing. But that heritage goes back. And this morning we have one of those dear saints that is part of that heritage. Betty is with us this morning. Back from Kansas for a few days. And what a joy it was to walk, see her walk through the door and... Uh, it makes my day when she's here and just a blessing. She has such a heritage, such a deep roots in Church of the Bible and Calvary. And uh, it is just a joy to have her with us this morning. And we just bless you this morning, Betty. We bless you. Praise the Lord. God is calling us to more. He's calling us to more. Let me do one more thing before I start preaching. If you're visiting this morning, we're so glad you're here this morning. And we're a different church. You may be a little bit different than what you've accustomed to. We're what we call a Pentecostal church. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and we believe in the, some, some, we don't, you know, we're not shy about worship. We're not, we just want to worship our King. And, and so if you're here this morning and, and you say, oh, this is a little bit different, we think it may be, we really think this should be the normal. Because we serve a God who loves us and gave his son for us. And, and we have this opportunity to come in and worship him. And, and 
the gifts of the Spirit were in operation this morning. You heard a prophetic word given to us, and, and that was powerful to us. And we have to remember our, that in 1 Corinthians, those are very prevalent as part of the gifts to the New Testament church. And so those occur in our service regularly. And because of that, we, again, that should not be the abnormal. We think that's normal for those gifts to take place and God using those gifts in us. If you have questions about anything that happens in our service, please come talk to me. If it gets out of order, I promise you as the pastor, I will take care of it. We will deal with it and we will make sure that we stay in order of what God's called us to do. And so, um, but we're so thankful for the gifts and what God is doing here at Calvary. We've had some exciting months of worship. We've had some exciting months of what God is doing here at Calvary. Now we're adding the Spanish service, and God just continues to move forward and do things. And he, like I said, he's calling us to more. He's calling us to more. It's, now's not a time to retreat. It's time to go forward. Today we start our month of fasting, and I want to encourage you to sign up and fast. We have, it, I don't look at this, I don't go, oh, hmm, yeah, my wife sure didn't sign up on this sheet. I don't look at that. I look at the, I, what we look at is just to see that every day, every meal is covered. We want somebody fasting every day and every meal. Now, I will make an exception. Nobody wants to fast next Sunday. I get that, Easter Sunday. But uh, if maybe you're having your supper and you can fast lunch, I don't know how you're going to do But we want every meal fasted next for the month from today through the end of the month. And so there's every day is listed. There's lots of pages that you can sign up on. Maybe you want to do every Tuesday. Maybe you want to do a whole day or a whole week or three days or whatever. Just sign up so we know that those meals are covered. And we want everybody to fast at least one meal. We're asking everybody to think about fasting one meal. What does that mean? That means you skip eating and you pray. This is not a diet plan of skipping food. It's called prayer and fasting. You don't eat. And the time that you would prepare and eat, you fast and you pray and you seek God. I used to do this at work at noon and I would walk and just pray and fast and just spend my lunch hour with God. It is powerful. And I encourage you, everybody, to get involved, sign up for prayer and fasting, and pick a day, or pick several days, or several meals. I, I challenge you, I want to really challenge you. It it's easy to maybe say, well, I can do one meal, or I can do a breakfast, or I can do, think about doing a full day. God, can I, can I fast a full day? Or maybe I've done a full day before, but I've never done three days. God, could I do three what is God asking you to do? God's going to ask us to step out of our comfort zone here and fast and pray. Because I believe this is the key to what God is going to do in the future. We had a prayer meeting last Sunday night. On the 16th of this month, we're going to have another prayer meeting on Sunday night at 6 o'clock. We're going to get together and because we need to pray. We need to be fasting, and we need to be praying, and we need to come together, and we need to have corporate prayer together. It is that powerful, and it is that important that I am making it a top priority this year that we pray more, that we pray more, that we pray more. You're going to get tired of me saying it, but we're going to have to pray more. And I'm not—I'm almost going to jump ahead in my sermon here a little bit. I'm not talking about 
just coming together to, oh, Jesus, you're so nice to me. I just got a few needs today. I'm talking about getting down and dirty with Jesus and saying, God, we're time. We're done. We are done with Satan winning. We're done with the enemy having his way. And we're going to start fighting on our knees and we're going to start fighting and we're going to get down and we're going to work at this thing until God gives us victory. Until God brings revival. Until God starts saving lost people. Until God begins to bring restoration. Like Pastor um, Christian talked about last night, that he brings restoration to broken people. It's time to pray. It's time to seek God. And then when God starts to move, we pray more. To keep him moving. To see him continue to move. We can't stop. We've been talking about being warriors. Today, we start celebrating one of the most powerful weeks in all of history. The most powerful week in all of history. The most powerful week. As Jesus walked this week, can you imagine what it would have been like to walk in his shoes that week? He knew what was ahead. He knew what was ahead. When they were were throwing the palm branches and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, he knew what was ahead. He knew that the pain and the punishment and the anguish that was coming. He's God. He could have said enough with these people. I would have. And he's... And he still walked the path this week. I want to challenge you. You know, one of the, my biggest pet peeve of, of, of life is that we make such a big deal out of Christmas and we barely do anything with Easter. We need to celebrate Easter bigger and more grand than we do Christmas. I get it that we have to have the baby to have the sacrifice. But I'm telling you, the greatest gift that we have was the gift of Jesus is dying on that cross and rising again. And we as Christians need to stop being told that we can't celebrate it. We have to stop being told that we, oh, you can't say happy resurrection day. You can't say this is Easter. This is a celebration. You know what they call it now? They call it spring break at school. They don't call it Easter break anymore. They want to call it everything else but Easter, whatever, because it's But it's about Jesus. We stop this week and we start to celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And we, as the people of God, have got to stand up and start to take this week. And so I challenge you this week. I challenge you this week to take this week and read the Easter story. Read this whole passage of scripture. There's four different gospels. You can read it different places. Read this story over and over and over again and let it get deep within your soul. Let it get deep within your soul. And then so then when you get up from reading it, you begin to live it and you begin to walk it and you begin to celebrate it and you begin to put a smile on your face because your savior died for you. And you let the world know and you let people around you see it. And you don't hide it. This is the week we're going to celebrate. My Savior, do you know what this week is all about? It's not about Easter bunnies. It's not about Easter eggs. It's not about baskets or candy. 
It's about an empty tomb. Because if that tomb is filled today, you and I have nothing to celebrate. But it's empty. It's empty. It's about an empty tomb. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. Hallelujah. 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 His tomb is empty. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. That tomb is empty. Get that in your spirit. It's going to revolutionize your celebration this week. It's no longer about family getting around and having ham dinner. It's about getting together and talking about Jesus and what he's done for us. Hallelujah. That wasn't even my sermon. Hallelujah. As you take time to ponder these events, because they're some of the most sobering events, to watch a Savior go to a cross and be beaten and murdered on a cross, paying a price for a sin that he never committed. It's sobering to watch. But it's also the most exciting moment in all of history as we watch that tomb become empty. And I challenge you this week, you are going to begin to see that Jesus Christ is the greatest warrior that we have. We have been talking about we need to be the warrior that God's called us to be. No greater warrior do we have as an example than Jesus Christ himself headed to the cross. He gives us everything. He gives us all the tools, all the example to follow as he goes to the cross. Stand with me as we read our scripture this morning. On the board should be Ephesians 6. Let's read it together. Finally, He is calling us to put on the armor of God, to be warriors. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Inasmuch then as you are children, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. That's a warrior. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 39, just a small snippet of the story of this week. As they go to the Garden of Eden, Garden of uh, Gethsemane, sorry. 
Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, and he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven and strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. What a warrior. Jesus, teach us to be warriors like you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I believe God is moving us to a new level of looking at warriorship as we move from Joshua to Jesus. God is calling us to be warriors like Jesus. And I have seven things I want to give you this morning, and I promise not to spend too much time on any one of the seven. I won't keep you here till at least maybe one, two o'clock is all. We're fasting, right? God is calling us to join his army and fight. Jesus is about to face the greatest test in history. He enters Jerusalem to fulfill the prophecy, and they're praising him as he came in. Hosanna, Hosanna. They're loving on him. He turns from that to throwing the money changers out of the temple. And then we see him spending time with his disciples. That last supper. Communion is given to them as a remembrance to go by. He sits with his disciples. He knows as he sits there amongst them, is it somebody's going to betray him, somebody's going to deny him, and they're all going to disappear. And in the midst of all of that that he knows, he is, he's God. He's God. And yet he shows us how to be a warrior. He goes to battle. In front of his disciples, he shows them how to fight. And where does it begin? On his knees. If I know that they're coming for me, I'm running. I'm hiding. I'm going to make sure that they can't find me. Not our Savior. He goes to the garden and he bows, leaves his disciples and goes off by himself. And he says, now pray, because this is where it starts. This is the battle. If you want to win, you've got to pray. You've got to pray. It's all about kneeling. It's all about getting before God. It's all about putting yourself in that position of submission to the Father and saying, God, this war happens on our knees. And so he goes away and he falls on his foot knees, and he bows down and he prays. He withdrew, withdrew about a snow, stone's throw away and knelt down and he prayed.
when the enemy attacks, our first inkling is to get our weapons out and start throwing stones, to start throwing our spears. Today's world, we want to get our guns and take out that enemy. A true warrior never picks up a weapon until he's first knelt before the Father. Somebody offends you, shut your mouth. Quit throwing stones, quit throwing words, and get on your knees before God and start the fight there. Because when you start throwing stones, you're going to mess it up. And you're going to be defeated. And that relationship and those people that you're, you're throwing stones at are going to be wounded. But if you start here, on your knees. Jesus is God. He could have done anything he wanted to get out of that situation. He could have walked away. He could have hid. But he says, here's the reality of it, church. Disciples, if you want to know how to fight, get on your knees. And let's pray. Let's pray. Let's connect with God, the Father. Because that's where the war is won. He gives you direction. He gives you wisdom. He tells you how to move to the next step. Like I said, if I'm going to do it, I'm running and hiding. But I'm not, I get on my knees and God says, no, here's how you're going to do it. This is the next step. This is the next level. This is where you're going to go. And you stay on your knees and you fight. And you fight. I want you to get that. Before you speak, before you act, before you throw stones, before you shoot your weapons, before you do anything, get on your knees. Get on your knees. I want to go back to something I said at the beginning. And I'm not talking about praying. Oh, Jesus. I need this today. And I have this, this, this. Oh, Jesus, can you do this? Jesus went to pray with all intensity. With all seriousness. We have minimized prayer down to just a few requests and a few praise words. Maybe we've, we've, we've even limited it to just, just a certain amount of time that we put in rather than being intentionally intense with God. We have got to become intense with God. Jesus didn't go there and go, oh, Father, this is going to be so much fun. Let's just go do this. You know, you could stop this if you want, but let's just, let's just go ahead. He was intense with the Father. He was intense. Take this cup from me. This is God himself saying, take this cup from me. He knew what was about to happen. 
we have got to learn to fight on our knees. We need to learn to pray the word of God. He gave it to us. He gave us promises in that word. Start praying the word of God. Quote it back to him. Remind him of what he wrote and pray it and believe it. Pray with, I know northerners don't agree with this. Pray with emotion. Let God see your heart. It's okay to cry before him. It's okay to get intense with him. It's okay to get loud with him. It's okay to get quiet before him. It's okay, but let your emotions show. There are times when I say to God, God, I don't get this and I don't understand it and I'm kind of mad at you right now. And God's okay with that. Let him see your heart. Get emotional with God. It's time to pray with some urgency. This week, I went down to Missouri to a funeral of a dear friend. This couple was a, in our very first church we pastored in King City, Missouri. Tiny little town, tiny little church, 20 people. But they gave us a chance. We were 22 years old. We didn't know what we were doing. I'm not sure we still do, but 20 years old, 22 years old. And this couple took us under their wing. And they said, we're going to support you. We're going to stand with you. And this week we went down as just unexpectedly at 67 years old, she went home to be with Jesus after a battle with pneumonia. I listened and watched some of the, the comments and the prayers of her daughter and the urgency that she was asking God to heal her mom. We've got to get that urgency back. I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart that any moment the trumpet could sound. And if we believe that, we better be praying with some urgency. Jesus was praying with some urgency that day. He was her, Father, if there's any, anything you can do, take this away. He's calling us to get urgent. Why are we okay? Why are we okay with the enemy taking our family, with the enemy taking our children, with our enemy taking even our friends or our neighbors? Why are we okay with that? When are we going to get urgent and say, no more, no more? We're going to get on our face before God and we're going to fight this battle until we win. Why are we okay with the world telling us how to live our lives as Christians? I'm tired of it. When are we going to stand up and live the way God called us to? He's calling us to be urgent. He calls us to live, pray with expectancy. I asked my dad for a lot of things growing up. And most of the time when I asked him, we'd go to church back then, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. 
And on our way home every Sunday night, we'd say, Dad, can we go in? Because church was on the edge of town, and there was a gas station, 7-Eleven, down the road. And, Dad, can we go in? I got a dollar bill I can go spend. And back then, you could get a lot for a dollar as a kid. They had those little candy bins, you know, that had 10-cent candy in them. Come on, Dad, let's go. And every Sunday, I had no expectancy that my dad was really going to go in. I asked every week, but I really didn't think he was going to go into town. We went the other way home, and that's what we did every Sunday night. But we begged every Sunday night to go, oh, come on, please, Dad, please. Nope, we're going. Once in a great while, my dad would do it. But we have to go. And so often, that's exactly how we treat God. We got a lot of stuff we want, God. We got a lot of things we want you to do. We got a lot of prayer that we want to pray, but we really don't expect you to answer. It's time to start praying, believing, and expecting what God is going to do. And finally, on this note, we have to pray in tongues. We're a Pentecostal church, and the Bible tells us that we are to pray in the Holy Spirit, and we must be people who pray. Paul said he prayed in tongues more than all of us. We need to be people who are praying in tongues. There is power when the Holy Spirit prays through us. There is power when the Holy Spirit prays through us. When I do not know how to pray, the Spirit prays through me. I have found that there I find more breakthroughs in my life while I was praying in tongues than I ever did praying in English. We must pray in the Holy Spirit. Jesus fought hard. Can I say that we've kind of become wimps? It's a symptom of, of our society. We have all the new technology. We have all the stuff that we have. Most of, none, well, I always say most of us. None of us would have survived the 1800s when we had to go out and chop our wood and, and lived in the places that some of these people lived in. And, and, and we, we wouldn't have survived. We were, we're, you know, go out and take care of the cattle and the sheep and the goats. We wouldn't have survived because we're wimps. And that carries over into our prayer life. But Jesus fought hard. He looked at those disciples and said, pray with me. Stay here and pray. And then he went a few feet away and he got down on his knees and he prayed until he sweat drops of blood. How many of you have ever prayed that hard? I haven't. It said he prayed so hard that God had to send an angel to strengthen him. It said that he was in agony that he had prayed so hard. After the angel came, after he was in agony, and then he prayed till he sweat drops of blood. Jesus is teaching us how to fight war here, people. We want to think that the kingdom of God is supposed to be rose gardens and mansions. That's heaven. He told us this was going to be a fight. He said, narrow is the way, and few will find it. Why? Because most of us won't put, pay the price to get on the narrow road. Most of us won't pay the price. Most of us won't do, put in the effort to do it right. 
We must fight like Jesus fought. Can I tell you that war is not for the faint-hearted? It's for warriors. And God is calling you to be a warrior. He's calling that warrior out of you. And he's showing us how to do it. The third thing is Jesus submitted to the Father. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. How submissive are we? Think about Jesus that day. He was being asked to do the craziest thing ever. He was God. He had never sinned. And yet he was asked to die for sin. For all sin. For a people that he created that were a bunch of disobedient people. That he could wipe out in a heartbeat. And just be done with us. Start over. Try again. But here he is. The father says, no. I want to provide a way back for them. I want to provide salvation. I want to provide an answer to their sin. And I want you to die and be their sacrifice and defeat death, hell, and the grave once and for all. That, my friends, is submission of Jesus Christ to his Father. I'm convinced that we go to prayer and we don't get answers, not because God's not willing, but because we leave that prayer closet unwilling to submit to what the Father has told us to do. If we go and we pray like Jesus did, and we get down and dirty, and we go and get our, you know, putting holes in the carpet because we're just praying so hard, and we, get, we really grind it out with God, and we get up and say, I'm not doing that, God. Jesus could have. He could have got up and said, no, I'm not going to go there. But he didn't. He said, not my will, but yours be done. He's teaching us how to be warriors. We have to follow the commander-in-chief, God himself, and be willing to do what he asks us to do. Number five, he didn't fight alone. We live in a society that has separated us, has divided us, has put wedges between us so we will be mad at each other, we'll hate each other, we'll not talk to each other. It's uncomfortable to talk to people anymore. You don't know what you can say and what you can't say. When you're going to get somebody to fly off the cuff at you. And Jesus said we're not to fight alone. And we cannot let that same spirit that's in our world permeate the church. He took his disciples to the garden with him, and he said, pray. We need each other. We need each other. We've got to stop fighting alone. Number five, Jesus knew his enemy. Hebrews chapter two that we read a few moments ago 
He knew the enemy was Satan, that he came to destroy who had the power of death, who was the devil. He came to destroy. In Ephesians 6, 12 that we read, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, or right after the words we read this morning is verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts and wickedness of heavenly places. Our favorite battle that we fight as Christians always seems to be each other. Somebody else, some circumstance, some other thing. And God is calling us to stop fighting that stuff. The people are not your enemy. The circumstances are not your enemy. The enemy is Satan himself. We don't fight in that realm. We fight in the spiritual realm. Quit fighting it in the flesh. Quit going after your neighbor. Quit going after your friends. Quit going after those around you. They're not your enemy. Satan is the enemy. And Jesus understood that. And in that garden that day, he knew he had to go to the cross. He had to go. And he had to rise again because that's where the victory was going to happen. Not that he was going to win some war that morning or some battle, but he was going to win the war over death, hell, and the grave. And he was fighting Satan in that garden. And we have to start fighting the enemy, the real enemy, and quit using other people and other circumstances as our focus. Jesus faced the battle. Five or six things here that he did. First, he was betrayed. What a battle he fought. Can you imagine sitting at the table at, at, at the Last Supper and having, knowing that somebody's going to go out and betray you and turn you in? Knowing who it was. Judas, who he had invested in all these years. He would face the battle of false accusations. He never sinned. He never did anything. And yet they accused him. He was humiliated. He was hung naked on a cross. He was forced to carry the cross. He was beaten beyond recognition. And yet he battled on. Number four, he was beaten. Talking about God, the Son. He was beaten, he was whipped, he was spat upon, he had a crown of thorns shoved in his head. And yet he battled on. And then as he sat there after being beaten and tortured, his best friend Peter denies him. I never knew you. Not just once. I never knew you. Not just twice. I never knew you. Three times. Three times he denied Jesus. But not only Peter, but where were the rest of the disciples? They ran and hid. Where were they? Nobody stood up for him. Nobody stood with him. Where were the people that were praising him just a week earlier? A few days earlier, not even a week yet. They were praising him. Hosanna, Hosanna, where were these people? He was, they denied who he was. They left him there alone. And then he died. He took his last breath. 
And I don't know exactly what happened between his death and resurrection, but I think some of the greatest warfare took place during that time as he defeated death, hell, and the grave, as he took Satan on head on those three days. The last thing that he did, he paid an ultimate price. He gave his life. He gave his life for you. He died. What a warrior. What a warrior. If we look back throughout history, there are great people who have fought to the death for their country, for their, for their freedom. They have fought and they are willing to give it all. Jesus was willing to give it all. I ask us, we're in a war, we're in a battle. Are we willing to give it all? If you think that we are somehow in this little bubble in America that's not going to face the persecution that's going to lead to us to being, being forced to make a decision, life or death, whether we live or die, all because of what we profess about Jesus Christ, then you're mistaken. It's coming our way. Persecution is coming our way, and it's going to be asked of us. Now's the time to solidify. Now's the time to be a warrior and say, at all costs, I will stand with Jesus. At all costs, I will pay the price. Jesus, I am in your army. I am a soldier. I am a warrior, and I will pay the price if that means my death, which really means my life, is going to be what I'm going to give for you. But how many people today just... Life gets a little tough. Oh, life, I'm going to, you know, God must not be there anymore. And they walk away. A little persecution. Somebody says something. Somebody says, does something. Oh, we got to pack up. We got to pull out. God's saying it's not time to pull out. It's time to pull in. It's time to be warriors. It's time to take up the cross in our army and our weapons and our warfare and start praying and seeking him and submitting to him and doing whatever it takes to win the battle. We are going to be warriors because in the end, no matter what happens on this earth, no matter how we die, if we are born again, if we are walking with him, if we're a warrior of his, we end up in heaven with eternal life. And that's greater than anything else that can happen on this earth. Just stand with me. God is calling us to be warriors. I want to close with us celebrating communion around this table. Because this reminds us of that last hours of Jesus' life. The blood that was spilled out upon that cross. The body which was broken. Because he said yes to the Father. Because he said, yes, I'll be the warrior that my Father needs. I'll do what it takes. I'll do what it takes because I love those people. And as we, as we remember 
honor what he has done, will we then say yes to him? I'm in your army, Lord. I'm in your army. I'm a warrior of yours. Even if it means the ultimate sacrifice, I'm in your army. I'm in your army. I'm going to be a warrior. And I'm encouraging you to get involved in this fasting and prayer because that's where it begins. Get on your knees before God and let us begin to see God give us victory. Let us, God, begin to lead us. Let us see God begin to empower his people to do great things in this generation. It's time for the world to see how great our God is. And it only comes if we're willing to be warriors on our knees, submissive to the Father, and be obedient when we come up. Oh, precious Jesus. Lord, you're working in hearts right now. Just begin to work in our hearts. Begin to work in our hearts. Begin to work in our hearts. Begin to work in our hearts, Lord. Begin to work in our hearts, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah.